Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Hey, loyal listeners. I'll be hosting this episode myself. I've been involved in software development for more than 25 years. I've started companies, led companies, and worked for companies, doing many different things. I'm honored to be considered a leader in Alberta's innovation ecosystem, and I give back as much and as often as I can. When I'm not working or podcasting, you'll find me pursuing my passions of photography, crypto investing, and woodworking, along with the occasional round of golf. My guest on this episode is Ezra Santos co-founder and CEO of Argyle Fox. Let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Today, my special guest is Ezra Santos from Argyle Fox Incorporated. Ezra, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Hello, everybody. So, Ezra, I, I, you have a really interesting background, I think. Could you maybe take us back a little bit to kind of where you came from and, and what you're all about? Before we get into the business side of things, I'd kind of like to know a bit about your career path and stuff. Okay, well, if we're going to do that, we're going to start when I was two years old, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my career path started. Well, no, actually, I think what the reason I joke, I joke about that, but I feel the reason that's important is I still consider myself to be an immigrant. And even though I did come here to Canada when I was two, I don't know any other country, consider myself Canadian first and foremost, but being an immigrant coming here so so young is very formative in terms of my career, where I went to. And I come from a what you'd call a very stereotypical Asian family. So my choice of career path, which was took a very weebly wobbly winding road, was in a sense disappointing to them but I'm a stubborn kind of guy. So they, they got around it, they got past it, and they bought in eventually. But when I first came, obviously, to this country, I didn't know anything better, two-year-old, mouthy little two-year-old. And uh, my parents wanted me to be stereotypically a doctor. And I said, nope. So they said, all right, second choice, lawyer. I said, nope. All right, all right, we'll settle for accountant. I said, nope. <laughs> so... I didn't stray too far. I went into finance. That's actually where I was educated. That's where I went. So my career path first took me in the area of finance. I you know, studied fixed income, uh, stocks, bonds, the whole bit. And actually, my career path took me to what we'll call disposals. So I started off with we'd find companies. We'd take them over. Not me personally. I was just a grunt in the back, right? We'd find them, take them over, chop them up, make some money quite a depressing career path. Depressing in the sense of, okay, it was all about cash. It was all about money. But when you kind of open your eyes and go, look at the lives that we're destroying, look at the lives that were changing for the worse, not for the better. And it prompted me to make a change. And that change happened in a way that was, again, quite interesting. Like to get into finance, it was weebly wobbly to begin with. But that change happened because I tend to be a helpful guy in the sense of I have friends, I have a network. 
and they ask me for advice. And if it's my area of specialty, I help them out. I give them direction, that sort of thing. And it's it's not a one-way street, right? You help them, they help you. And it's not like it's it's not like you're keeping tally. You're just helping people out. Well, that's how it worked out in terms of my next switch into marketing. A buddy of mine said, hey, I've got a startup. Can you help me out here on the finance side? So I did, you know, helped with the books. I helped with the financing. I helped with some of the avoiding some of the pitfalls that come along with that territory. I know this is a long story, isn't it? I helped with the pitfalls that that come with that territory. And from there, um, you know, he, he says, hey, I got a business proposition for you. I think, you know, this is my good friend of many years, Bruce Symbolisti. He goes, I got a business proposition for you. Why don't you join my, me, me and my company? I can't afford to pay you, so you'd be working for free. I said, sold. <laughs> so we got into that route in, in terms of his marketing firm. But of course, because of my background in, in business and in, in finance, and more specifically in evaluating companies' books, their valuation, and again, being the guy in the back that crunches the numbers, et cetera. I brought that to the table and we started shifting a little bit into business consultation in the sense of mixing the marketing and the sales with the idea of, oh, we're launching products, we're launching divisions, we're launching all sorts of different things for a company, revenue generation, valuation. And that then took another little huge turn curve because this was now the early 2000s and tech was coming in in its own the tech as we know it today, the digital age as we know it today. And what happened then was a lot of the problems we were solving, a lot of things that we were doing needed a tech component to it. And Al, I think you, you know, you yourself are aware is in the early 2000s, the tech scene was not the same as it is today. There weren't, wasn't the plethora of software companies, solutions that we have. We basically had many times do it from our own, on our own, or commissioned on our own. So there came the journey into the tech side of things. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, so being in a, in a, in a business with Bruce and, and, you know, head, heading down that road, starting out in marketing and heading towards tech, I'm curious where Argyle Fox came in because your your company, and we'll get into that in a second. Your company, Argyle Fox, is is built is the company itself is built around that platform that you came up with. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to hear the origin story of that. Well, the thing is, so a lot of times we would run into a problem that required a tech solution, and the solution didn't exist. So we'd create it, we'd build it from scratch. And me being the kind of person I am, though, I'm like going, well, if we're going to be building these solutions from scratch, maybe we should start looking at how we can leverage previous work. So I wouldn't, in the early days, I wouldn't say it was fully modular, but we always kept in mind, let's build on the success that we had. Let's let's not do forklift changes all the time. Let's not build from totally 100% scratch. So that's the origins of what we call Argafos today. As we were solving a problem, as we were creating a solution, we would add another layer, add another layer, add another part, add another bit. And to be fair, it, was, it wasn't with the goal of building software. It was with the goal of solving cons- consulting problems, mm-hmm. right? And, and from there, at some point, I think it was like 2019, 
uh, someone in our network. Yeah, one of the, the the people in our network that was in in the finance sector and in in wealth management and asset management said, you know, you guys actually have something here, and we were like, oh yeah, okay, you know, sure, we think so too, and we weren't really sure if that's the route we wanted to go, but after some cajoling and convincing and, 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 you know, we're also the kind of people that we would just put in bids for things, even though we know we'd lose, we thought, Hey, we're going to learn something, but we started ranking higher and higher in these bids. And suddenly that piece of advice of maybe you want to cleave this off into its own company, this IP of this software that's right now supporting a consulting company. So that's what we did. We eventually said, Hey, let's cleave that off into its own entity with its own IP. That's cool. Cool. And then was there, was there a transition point where you focused on um, turning it into an enterprise platform from the, the, you know, bunch of pieces of, of reusable chunks? Like did it, did it all of a sudden self-assemble or did you make a correct decision to go down that road? So I would say it was, it didn't self-assemble. It was, it was a very organic, natural process until we cleaved it off. And when I say organic, natural, yeah, you know what? We could leverage it, but really we were looking at custom dev every time. Once we cleaved it off into its own entity and then we sold the IP to the new entity, that's when we started developing. And that was around, that was, I'd say, 2021. That's okay. when we, we really then said, okay, we need to start building this with focus. Uh, as an enterprise solution. So there, I'd say we're, that was, you know, 2021, I'd call versions, you know, 0.1. We are now in version 2.0 of our Golf Fox. Cool. So a lot of lessons learned from 2021 to, you know, 22. And then as you can see that in terms of time frame, we decided let's, let's make that investment, heavy investment into making it an enterprise level solution. Yeah. Right. Okay. So this sounds like a really good point to actually tell the listeners what Argyle Fox is. So maybe you could take us through your your typical sales pitch for a generic client that doesn't have a specific <laughs> need at this moment. <laughs> typical sales pitch. Well, I think the typical sales pitch for generic client is, is this. Usually we run across someone with either a Frankenstein tech stack or what I like to call app soup. Or <laughs> where they've, and, and it's, it's not unusual. It's, it's actually quite common where in some cases, hundreds of apps, but where they have several apps that they've put together and they use and they're discontinuous. They don't talk to each other. They're not sharing the same database. I'm sure this sounds pretty familiar. Yep. And, and the client says, I need to solve a specific problem. And that specific problem might be because they are trying to unify their data set. They are trying to unify their applications or they are trying to find some efficiency. So the, the usual conversation or the door opener is usually unified apps, unified data. I think that's, you know, if I was to summarize it, that's how, that's how we come in. Go, you want to unify it, we'll unify it. Right. Well, one of the things that I always found really fascinating about your platform when I learned about it originally <clears throat> was the fact that maybe the platform gets implemented or brought into a company's enterprise for a specific need. But then once it's there and all your data is in it, now all of a sudden, instead of using a different platform or, or an off-the-shelf software or whatever to do some other thing, 
it's like, well, this already exists. We can just configure it and manipulate it a bit. And, and now we have this other problem solved and then this other problem solved. And then pretty soon you have this like, you know, corporate enterprise solution that has that's solving all these problems and all the data is in one place. So you don't have to worry about all the integrations between all the other apps and stuff. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'm singing to the choir within with you, but you know, like this particular app is a cloud-based solution and it costs $5 per user per month. And then there's this other one that's $8.99 per user per month. And then there's this other one that's pretty soon you're paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to all these different companies just trying to get one cohesive solution. You're paying all that money. And then sometimes you're still paying, especially larger companies, you're still paying that money even though no one's using several of these apps. And then not only are you paying money to do these things, because they don't talk to each other, you don't actually have what we call corporate visibility. You can't put all that information together and get a big picture view for decision making when it comes to whether it's operational efficiency or, 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 or whatnot, because these applications don't talk to each other. The way I like to actually put it, so I know we're talking about enterprise solutions, that sort of thing, but I feel... The market that really needs what we do out of the box is small, medium business, SMB. Enterprise will do custom solution, 100% out. Like we'll go in, we'll solve a particular problem, then you can scale on top. But SMB, we call it SMB command and control. You know, And the reason it's SMB command and control is, yeah, you don't have to swallow the whole elephant. You can start small and then we can layer on top of that. And the wonderful thing about the layering on top of that, it doesn't always have to be Argyle Fox. Right, we can take best of breed on chats, best of breed on accounting, best of breed, and we bring it together, and we can have that command and control, direct visibility, and we can layer it over time. Because you have the the platform is mod is very very modular now, and you can yep. pl- you can turn on and off various modules, and there's tons of integrations with all these other products already built in, so it doesn't right, take yeah. very long. Like a, a normal you know, a normal, decent sized software development project might take, you know, six months or even up to a year, year and a half. And yet Argyle Fox, you could implement it, you know, within a few weeks. Am I, am I right in saying that? That's, that's correct. As long as if we're dealing with what I'll call basic solutions and by basic solutions, I mean these things, how we've layered Argyle Fox is you need document management, check mark. You need account management, check mark. You need process workflow, check mark. You need an e-commerce solution that takes all the way from work orders to invoicing, check mark. Yes, we combine those. And then if you have third-party accounting software, for example, we integrate that. You're 100% accurate within, in most cases, within three weeks, four weeks, in some cases, a couple of months. Where it gets more complicated is we do have larger companies that will come to us and say, okay, I love all these things but I want it super customized. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it is a longer cycle, but I can say that we're, I would say, two times, three times faster than creating that solution from the ground up. Right, because you have so many underlying base pieces that you can reuse anyways. Well, yeah, and it's not just using using them for the front end. I think what a lot of people forget is the security aspect of it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and the data aspect of it. So when it comes to the data structure, the security infrastructure, that's already in place. No matter what we roll out on your behalf, that doesn't have to be built. There's always, it's almost like if we're building a home, the way to look at it is the foundation and the framework is there. Right. 
Great, great, so great, great. Let's add to that foundation and framework. Yeah, yeah. What kind of uh, kind of siding are you going to use and <laughs> that kind of thing? You want uh, Jerusalem marble or do you just uh, want you know plain old granite? Right. <laughs> Perfect. That's interesting. So, in all your experience through throughout this journey and and you know dealing with clients nowadays, what do you see is some of the kind of the main uh, I guess problems that people are trying to solve in 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 and and I know there's no one one size fits all, but there there's got to be a theme or at least some sort of series of things that need resolution that that you've seen right. in the industry. So I'm going to answer it, this in two ways. So the first way I'm going to answer your question directly, okay, and then the second way I'm going to answer it where I don't think they actually see this is what they need. Okay. okay? So first way, answering a question directly, what, what do we run across? We are very consistently running across frustration. Frustration because, hey, we've got this out-of-the-box solution that does X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you know what? It does X, Y, and Z really well, but it doesn't fit our business, and we've got to do all sorts of workarounds. And it's really interesting. Most of these workarounds are what? Email, Excel. Word. Yeah. And it's just like, it's really fascinating. And they got to do a lot of workarounds. And usually that comes about because it's great to find one app, two apps, three apps, if you're doing particular things, like maybe is it scheduling? Maybe is it an HR module? Yeah, those are easy enough. But if you're actually trying to automate and, and, and work towards what we'll call a digital transformation of your business, a lot of these solutions are not customizable or configurable enough. So we consistently run across the frustration of it's too rigid, it's too inflexible. And, and that's the problem that we're solving. I would say nine out of 10 times, that's what we're solving. There's rigidity and flexibility. And we go in there and go, and quite consistent reaction is you can match that, you can move that, you can change that. Yes, we can. <laughs> It's possible because we built it that way. I got to go back to the original intent of, of Argyle Fox when you're first using it is to match a consulting business. And a consulting business, you're not saying you must do it this way. It's a lot of discussion, interrogation in many ways. What are you really doing? And, and solving the unasked or un, un, unspoken problem. Okay. So then that's how I'm going to use that as a segue to the second way I'm going to answer your question. I think, not I think, I know what we're really dealing with is that they don't know is a lot of these companies don't own their own data. They don't actually own their own process. Uh, they are quite often surprised at what they don't own and what they're signing away to. And they're quite often surprised at how difficult it is to actually move from one platform to the other. And what I mean by move is when your data is held hostage or you got to click through 27 buttons, call 15 people, and then cross your fingers that they'll actually, you know, cancel your credit card. It's very, very difficult. And, and that's the problem that they don't know that they have. And a lot of times what will occur is we'll be able to go in and say, look, we work on a very different uh, paradigm. You own your data. You want to extricate your data, we won't hold you hostage. You want to move to a different platform because it makes sense to you, we're not going to hold you hostage. I, 
I really feel that beyond software, a change in our industry, everyone, and I'm going to exaggerate out because I'm very biased. So I'm going to use the word everyone. Everyone wants to protect themselves. All these software companies, big to small, so they want to protect their IP. They want to protect their revenue stream. They want to protect. So what happens is they start to close. They close themselves off. And I, I think that that's going to change. It's already changing. Open data, open apps, that's where it has to go. Um, data sovereignty for the end consumer, privacy and protection. Those are the conversations I don't see happening enough. And those are the things that are not being taken into account, I think, in many software companies today. So I'm on a rant, but I feel that's important. And, and they'll be forced to change. I feel that. And I want to be ahead of the curve, not because I want to be ahead because I think there's a revenue. Yeah, there is a revenue opportunity. I think it's right. It's right to make sure that people own their own data, that they can move if they want to. A little bit of freedom. I call it IT freedom, right? Right, right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and, and when I talk to investors, often the, the discussion of IP comes up, right? So you've, you've got a, you know, you got a great team, they built a built a big business around some some sort of solution that they're providing. And so they have they have the customers, and they have the solution they provided. But when you actually peel away the layers, you realize they don't actually own the solution that they're providing, they're actually just using somebody else's solution. And so what's the actual intellectual property that that company has that an investor would want to put money into? And so if, if everything, you know, it's like, you know, let's, let's take a, a company like Uber or something. What if Uber was running their entire business on somebody else's software? They wouldn't be valued as, as highly as they are because anyone could just use that same software and create a competing business and do the same exact thing, right? Yeah. Intellectual property is about, is about actually having something different that some kind of competitive advantage that somebody else, other people don't have. And if they had to, they'd have to kind of reproduce it from scratch, right? Yeah. And that's why on, on our enterprise builds, one of the options, that, and I call it an option because some people don't want, some companies don't want that. So one of the options that we put on the table is, okay, we know that probably core your core operations, you're going to want a custom solution for your core operations. The reason I say that is because some of your processes, some of it's your crown jewels that you don't want anyone knowing and understanding. So what we put on the table is the custom solution. Yeah, we're going to use Argafox to deploy that really fast. You're never going to own Argafox. We will. But the solution that we use Argafox, the layers that we put and that we deploy that custom core, yeah, that belongs to you. End of story. And if you want to continue to use us to maintain, to upgrade over time, great. If you don't, once we're done, it's a standalone, perfectly usable, whether you host in the cloud or on-premise, that's yours. And then you can attach on the periphery all the other applications that you need to. That's that's one of the solutions that we provide. And that's that's huge for a lot of our customers. Cool. So that, like, as an analogy, that would be like uh, back in the day when Adobe had Adobe Photoshop, and you would actually purchase it and install it on, on your machine. And that would be one price that you would pay. And you would be able to use that software for as long as you possibly could. Like, I mean, obviously, Windows and, and Mac do their operation or operating system upgrades, which kind of eventually make older software unusable. But aside from that one minor thing, they could potentially just keep using that software for as long as they wanted to. And then they yeah. wouldn't get advantage of upgrades and they wouldn't get advantage of the new technologies and stuff that you develop, but they would still be able to operate for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And and to be fair, in, in those situations, if they decided to have their own internal dev group, they could continue to maintain the security and any upgrades that they wanted to do on their own. At that point, I'm not warranting that. The mm -hmm. roof. You know, it's kind of like you, you buy a car and then you start tinkering with it. Of course, it, it voids the warranty. But yeah, they, they can continue to not to use it forever and, and not use us if they feel like it. Mm -hmm. But as you said, Al, at, over time, technology, you know, gets older, right? Yeah. There's newer and better things out there that we know. Yeah. And I think this over over the long term, I think subscription models are are so much better for companies because they're they're always able to access the latest and greatest technology and the new modules and the new features and stuff like that without having to worry about, you know, some large cost and engagement and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I would agree with that. And and a lot of people are still have trouble with that subscription kind of mentality. It does make sense. We are seeing the trend. And once they get comfortable, you know, there is a financial benefit to them. Subscribe to that type of model. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people don't like change. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but it happens and, and it'll just go forward no matter what. So Yeah, exactly. You can either get on the surfboard and ride the wave in, or you can slowly paddle from out, out in the ocean and keep trying to find the shore. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Captain analogy at it again. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, Ezra, is there, is there, um, what, like, I guess what I'd like to ask is, is what does the future look like for Argyle Fox and for your team? What sort of exciting things that, that you can share are, do you have kind of in the planning in the wings? Well, we're adding all sorts of product suites, uh, every month. And right now in 2023, we'll actually, well, the first quarter of 2023, we're launching several products. So our ERP module, Enterprise Resource Planning module, will be launched in the first quarter of this year. Our point of sale that adds on to our current existing e-commerce and e-commerce for both retail and industrial, POS will be launching this first quarter. We will be Actually, adding on top of that, we are in the middle of talks with uh, several companies when it comes to IoT solutions, sole worker safety, health and safety. So there, there are a lot of partnerships that we're in discussions with for this year and, and several, like I said, modules and products that we'll be adding to our suite within the first quarter. So I, I'm excited. I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do, but this is the result of a lot of hard work from a lot of people. So right, absolutely. Well, Ezra, I, I, you know, you're a really busy guy and you got a lot going on, but I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and chat about uh, your your life and your your company and the things that you guys are working on. I think it's really cool. I'm gonna share your LinkedIn connect information in the show notes, but if anyone's interested. What's the URL for Argyle Fox if they're interested in learning more? It's argylefoxinc.com. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> Any closing remarks, Ezra? I think this is, in my opinion, we're in still in the railroad heydays of tech. Um, and the, the thing that I'm excited to see is the change to, as I mentioned before, more open data, more open apps, more collaboration between companies and individuals. If we can work that way with that more of an open paradigm, I think we're going to unleash the power of a lot of dreamers and entrepreneurs 
And I think that's where the real power is, not the software itself, but unleashing the capability of dreamers and entrepreneurs to do um, what they want in this kind of, in this free economy that we have. I love that. What a great way to close the show. Thanks so much, Ezra. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joel. Okay. All right, everyone. Tune in next week for our next episode. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. is when you'll get the new episode. Uh, Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.